Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the least listened to podcast on the globe, the Sixth Sense Media Podcast, with your host, Mike Phelan. I don't do intros anymore, so it's just basically, this is- Oh yeah, no is, problem. This is Brad, <laughs> this is Brad Jones. Uh, well, thanks for coming back for a whole new, uh, whole new uh, interview series. Uh, of course, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, so- since we're going to be doing this all over again, uh, get people reacquainted to you on, on this series. Um, how did you get started with doing internet video reviews? Boredom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was at the very, very beginning of YouTube. And like a lot of us who kind of started then, uh, I was working a part-time job. I was working a lot of part-time jobs at the time. I think in this case, I was a, I, I worked phones at Comcast and I had done a few movies. Like I'd done some exploitation flicks uh, and the internet video thing was starting, but no one was getting paid for it. Like it wasn't even thought of that. Like, I'll give this a shot and maybe it'll turn into something. It really was for a lot of it, just kind of a lark. This will be fun. And there at the time there weren't a lot of shows revolving around like exploitation flicks like stuff i grew up on the italian movies the cannibal movies some slasher movies so i wanted to do this sort of review show but a comedy review show where i'm playing this snooty critic who's kind of being snarky about some of these movies but you but what he's saying is kind of dumb and sometimes inaccurate and but you can tell that there is some knowledge there about these so it, it, it was kind of a way to get some people to seek out some of these like obscure flicks and I did it for a while like I said just because I love doing it it was fun to do it was fun to spotlight some of these and after a, a year or two it it was like kind of gradually taking off and once I joined Channel Awesome about 12 years ago or something like that, then, yeah, then people were starting to, it was turning into their jobs. And that's kind of what became of us. We were able to turn it into our full-time gig and it's been fun doing it ever since. When you say a full-time gig, uh, YouTube is notorious for not being the most stable platform when it comes sure. to who they promote and who they pay and what they censor and whatnot. Yeah. How, how do you keep it being a, um a sustainable product for you by being consistent like everyone's story regarding that is is different because i think youtube just it, it affects and hits different channels um differently and yeah a couple of years ago a lot of the types of videos that are in our genre were getting promoted less and less and less by youtube they were popping up in recommended feeds less and less regardless if you're subscribed to it or not what still was benefiting us was the fact that one we're consistent so we still have a lot of videos up a week and it helps in our case that we review new movies that come out so even if it's kind of a slow week in terms of content there still will be some because there's always some new movie playing and there there'll always be a a cinema snob episode but because we've been doing it for so long we have a gigantic archive and the archive like i said it 
people's channels are different and YouTube kind of hits it differently. In our case, yeah, a couple of years ago, like viewership on newer videos, it, it goes down and it gets recommended less. But for us, it's because YouTube mainly recommends our archive. So our archive does incredibly well. <laughs> so if we have a video up that maybe underperforms, which I don't even know what the definition of that is anymore. But mm -hmm. if we have a new snob episode up that underperforms, it's like, well, when we look at it in a couple few years, it'll it'll look fine because <laughs> it'll be in our archive and the views will be much better. <laughs> um, but another benefit of that, though, is that you can kind of go back to really doing what you want. So I remember a bunch of years ago, yeah, I, I was doing stuff that I, I know is going to get some instant attention, whether it's like, I don't know, the Medea movies or the Pure Flix movies. And now, since YouTube mainly just kind of recommends our archive, I'm like, oh, I can go back to doing a lot more obscure stuff. Like, I did 2000 Maniacs earlier this year and uh, uh, Caligula, The Untold Story. And I'm about to work on one on 10 to Midnight, the Charles Bronson movie. So I, I don't know. I'm like, I got to go back and sort of do what I want <laughs> with no Fs given. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to newer films that you review, what's your criteria for picking the one that you're going to critique? It's just kind of a feeling like it doesn't happen as often anymore as it used to. Uh, but now it's sort of like if I just have a if it just instantly screams at me, this should probably be a snob episode. Uh, for in a couple weeks, I'll be doing one on the new Medea movie. Um, that just ends because I've done a lot of episodes on Medea movies in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's one, e even though I'm back to doing a lot more obscure stuff, I've done those in the past. This one's a new one. Yeah, once in a while, I probably should do something new, and that this fits along with, with that. Um, if it, Halloween Kills I'll do an episode on come October because I've done all the episodes on the Halloween movies. If I do more Chainsaw Massacre episodes than that new one coming to Netflix, at some point in the future, I'll probably do an episode on. Um, so that that's kind of what the criteria is now, if it just fits along with something in the past. But then there's times where I did, uh, a, a, some years ago, I did episodes on the two sex and the city movies because i love the show so i'm like oh, this is kind of new for the site i'll do these and then they just had that revival see or that reunion series uh on hbo max and at first i like at first i was going to be like uh i'm it, it'll be like when i did that uh, CBS The Stand episode where it was be like a really long episode. It'll be a supersized episode and it'll be on the Sex and the City revival. I watched the whole thing and I, I don't know when, but it was maybe halfway through where I was like, I've got no material here. <laughs> like, I mean, I, okay, I do, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, I, I would have just bare bones stuff to work with. Not enough to dedicate this big supersized episode to this. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if someone asks me about it, I'll tell them 
how I felt about that. But I'm like, I, I, I don't want to dedicate a two hour long episode to something where I can really kind of only joke about half of the stuff in it. <laughs> and, and it's really not worth it. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of larger than usual episodes, you did an entire uh, choose your own adventure series with, uh, with Gutenberg as the yeah. Uh, just tell me about how, how you put that together. Oh, my, my wild ass ADHD is what put that together. <laughs> it was just one of the ideas I had in my head. And um, I was like, that would be kind of funny, like a choose your own adventure where it's, you know, it's like little snippets of all the, or not all the Gutenberg movies, but a lot of them in his filmography. And I can kind of make up a story here like, oh, this can go here, this can go here, this can go here. Yeah, it, it honestly, it really was sort of like an idea born out of just me being wildly ADHD and it, it it's kind of par for the course because it's a lot of branching off and sectioning off into a bunch of different things and then some time went by and I had kind of forgotten about it a little bit or got distracted and then I'd be like well would that be too time consuming I don't know but when I got closer to it I like had like just sort of a boost of inspiration for it I was probably a little manic. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I was like, okay, I really will do this and sat down at it. It was fun to do. And it was uh, less hard than I thought it would be too. Cause once you're kind of looking at some clips, even if you don't have a set plan for where it's going to go, you can, it, it wasn't hard to come up with some kind of story to go along with where these points are going to go. And I did map out where like, okay, this movie will lead to this one. This movie will lead to that one. Um, not really a lot of rhyme or reason, but just sort of like, this will go here, this will go here, this will go there. And it was fun. People seemed to like it, you know? And it was an anniversary episode. And at first they were thrown off where they were like, oh, I'm clicking on this episode called Choose Your Own Gutenberg. It's an anniversary episode, but it's only six minutes long. <laughs> but then it would get to the end and be like, if you want to see Steve Gutenberg, uh, destroy the world click here if you want to see him hang out with a robot click here <laughs> I would like to do that again like maybe for Arnold movies <laughs> uh, it was it's kind of a it's kind of a sloppy segue but uh, after the Gutenberg episode came out you also got to interview Gutenberg so I did yeah when <laughs> taking that taking that little bit of a leap from creating content to actually talking to someone that you focused so much yeah. time on what was that like for you it's always surreal <laughs> especially with steve because i love steve gutenberg and i grew up with steve gutenberg movies and then suddenly you're talking to him that's crazy like i've been doing this for a long time and there are situations like that where i'll still get like starstruck or still like it, it or i'll be stuttery of course like and i'm i'm already kind of stuttery but when you're in the presence of someone who you grew up watching oh boy yeah then i'm usually at kind of a loss for words um but it was cool like especially when the person's really nice and really approachable and which which he certainly was um because i did meet him in person after the interview he we were both at the same convention together one time and uh uh no he was really nice in person too it's it's super rare i'll meet someone and 
they're kind of a, a dick. Like, I'll meet someone sometimes where it's sort of like, oh, you can tell they're tired. Whatever, it's it's a convention. We're all tired. <laughs> like, I I totally get it. Like, I'll meet someone who's kind of tired, but rare I'll meet someone who's like a jerk. Um, I'm sure you've probably met several. <laughs> yeah. There's there's one I'm I can. <laughs> <laughs> there's one where i'm pretty where i could probably guess who you're thinking about <laughs> uh, who's that what who's that uh i don't know if i should say uh one who uh was trending yesterday on twitter um who uh is he's been in a couple of movies i've done episodes on was a uh tv star about 20 some years ago <laughs> That could be a shit ton I know, of I know. it's really not narrowing it down. <laughs> yeah, because everyone that was big 20 to 30 years ago is now doing a lot of VOD stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can th- I, I can think of a few. I mean, the only person I've really had a bad time with was Rob Zombie. Um, oh, okay. That I forgot you talked to him. That's, yeah, that was just... When it comes to Rob if you if you accidentally criticize his work or you use the wrong word yeah talking to him he he, it'll set him off because he's very Mm. protective of what he makes yeah um luckily he didn't know at the time that i and the rest of the dread central crew had made an hour-long podcast ripping apart that first halloween movie (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that that when i was on the phone with him so i listened to that podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh man I still think oh, his boy would do the redneck voice of the guy who's the super Rob Zombie fan. It was hilarious. We saw uh, Uncle Creepy and I saw that movie. We we had a friend that worked at a local cinema at the mall. Yeah. And he let us come in at three in the morning and screened it for us. Mm. And just three in the morning, you're tired. You're just trying to get through this. And it just, you start to hyper-focus on all the bad aspects of the movie. Yeah. And then we, mm. the next day we recorded that podcast. We were all just still tired and fuming and just so Dude, pissed. <laughs> I hear you, man. No, totally. Um, <clears throat> him, I've never met. Um mm. I interviewed David A.R. White, who's like the coolest guy you could ever talk to in your life. Just like a down-to-earth, chill, nice dude. Um, and that's really cool when that happens. Like, especially when they 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 know who you are and mm-hmm. like that you like had maybe some negative reviews in the past. <laughs> he kind of joked about that, and I was like, oh, so you have seen my channel. <laughs> But he was he was really nice. I had some medical stuff I went through last year, and he sent me this really really cool message about it. Just a, a super nice dude. Um, then it gets into like, well, I don't want to talk shit about his movies anymore. <laughs> it does make it hard because you almost create a kind of a, a social connect, an almost a friendship when you do yeah. interview people. That it's hard for it's hard for you to separate the art from the artist at that point. You kind of like, it does. And also I'm not quite the same person that I was back five, six years ago mm-hmm. when um, that was kind of the five or six years ago is kind of around when I was doing a lot of episodes on religious movies. Mm-hmm. And now it's like one, those movies have gotten a lot better. And also 
I, I'm just not that angry about movies anymore. <laughs> like I'm 40. Um, I'm, I don't, yeah. Uh, I'm just not quite the same person I was several years ago. So uh, price exploitation has improved. Huh? Price exploitation has improved dramatically. It, it really has. The, th the third God's Not Dead movie was actually was honestly really good. Like <laughs> it was surprising. It, it was really good. And I kind of liked the one that he did uh, where he was like, it was like John Wick where he was a mm -hmm. hitman and he was battling like Satanists led by William Baldwin. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they took the criticism and actually improved their product unlike neil breen who's just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did they definitely did and i always even when i was ragging on a lot of those movies i did always like david a.r white in them even mm -hmm. in those old videos you can find me saying like but i really like him he's a really likable actor <laughs> and then i'll like i'll have on something old and he'll pop up in them i'm like oh shit like uh he's in uh he has a scene in Saved by the Bell, the college years. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh man, that's David A.R. White. So he'll like kind of pop up on some sitcoms back then. He was in a like a B action movie called Murder Cycle from back in the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Remember Murder Cycle? Yep. Yeah, he was in that. Um, but it it is cool when you meet a lot of these people, especially when you've spotlighted them before and mm -hmm. they are just like the nicest people in the world. <laughs> Except for like who you mentioned a little bit ago <laughs> uh, it happens i mean uh, it, it it's hard to i can imagine you've created something uh, yeah. something you poured a lot of time into and people rip it apart or people use the wrong word when describing it even though what i said was very nebulous to him uh, <laughs> i can understand getting upset to a point but uh, that's why I try to be very neutral in my interviews now. Uh, yeah. Back in the Dread Central days, the the personality that I was was to be an asshole. Sure. It's like yeah. just like Foy. Foy is Foy. Uh, yeah. That's and who I was was who I was then. But now I don't have to be a personality. Besides all this shit back here, <laughs> just for uh, show. But just I, I just want to talk to people and get their and help them advertise what they do. That's, that's yeah I like. I, i'm not interested in ripping someone apart anymore because it's not it's not rewarding and no I think, I think that ended a lot probably a few years ago like when the whole internet skeptic thing was big i think that killed it off more or less it it, it and honestly i think i i really like that that change happened because mm -hmm. yeah it used to be our shtick too i'm sitting there playing the cinema snob and i'm mad about some movie um, and yeah, I was definitely play, like you can tell I'm playing a character in it. Mm -hmm. um, but I honestly do like how it how that type of video evolved because now we can straight up just more or less be ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like jokey, sure, but not really that nitpicky or mm -hmm. angrily nitpicky. Just kind of jokey a little bit. Or yeah. in my case, it's like I'm kind of having fun throwing out what is obviously the wrong information. Like that's fun to do. And you, but you, but even through jokes, you can tell I like the movie. Like mm -hmm. yeah, I was joking during Hills Have Eyes, 
but it wasn't really at the expense of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of jokes along with it. And you can tell I like this movie. Yeah. I do like how that evolved. Like it, it is cool that we're kind of there as, as our ourselves now, you know, and I get it. Like uh, when something is personal to you and then here's this person online who's kind of ragging it quite a bit. Like, sure. I understand that. I, I've never really been like that, but in my case, it's like, well, I'd be a super hypocrite if I was. <laughs> uh, that actually brings me to my next point. You've, oh, okay. been, you've been on the you've been on the other side of that, having created films yeah. that other people have reviewed. Uh, one of them, one of them being my wife, who I had sit through another cinema snob movie and just looked on her <laughs> face was just utter contempt. Utter whole horror. It, it wasn't it wasn't you it sure. wasn't it was only one person in your whole cast that she did not like and that was yeah. Rob. <laughs> oh <laughs> but she it's not her thing oh sure it, yeah it's it's just not her gig i just wanted her to sit through it just because i'm an asshole but <laughs> do the same thing with my wife dude <laughs> <laughs> but just just to see someone else that isn't familiar with you in your work yeah. in channel awesome and then Watching someone that's so out of touch with that sit through an entire movie that's a lot of a lot of interconnection with that stuff and just see them just sit like this <laughs> for an hour and a half and then just turn to you at the end and say, fuck you. <laughs> at least at least she got the hour and a half one. The first snob movie was like two hours and 15 minutes long. Like it was way too long. <laughs> but you you receive your your fair share of criticism for yeah. what you create. I mean, how does that how does that affect you and how you continue to build your career? Uh, it uh, like it it doesn't have any kind of like a, a negative effect. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it definitely doesn't upset me because one, like I said a minute ago, like I'd be a super hypocrite if that upset me. <laughs> like <laughs> because I, do, I I also review movies, um, and I get it. It's a movie. It's an internet movie about uh, some internet characters who at one point they find cannibals and then there's mind control clowns that show up and like, I get it. It's not, not everyone is going to like this. (laughs) It it is kind of a niche is there yeah i guess niche would be the right word maybe it's for a specific audience you know i i get it's not everybody's thing yeah just like with trauma movies you have to you have to understand where kaufman's coming from to enjoy it otherwise you're just gonna look at and go i I don't don't (laughs) yeah so i but like i don't ignore criticisms about it or anything like that when when i hear some criticisms of it no no I, i i think like all right, if I was to do uh, a third, okay, what would I do differently? Because it it is, it's rewarding wanting to please someone who it, it's, it's not in their wheelhouse. Um, and with the two snob movies, I did try to write it in a way not that everyone's going to enjoy it because I know mm-hmm. not everyone's going to enjoy it, but in a way to where it would be somewhat like you wouldn't be that confused watching it if mm-hmm. you've never seen the show before. I, I know that that can only kind of go so far, but a little like uh, 
writing it to where you can get you can get the basic gist of it without like a thousand inside jokes that are in the thing that you know <laughs> that will really get confusing mm -hmm. so like all right let me write this thing about this guy who's like kind of a struggling director and blah 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 and maybe that'll kind of translate well for someone who is is stuck watching it <laughs> um so no i i do listen to criticism i i do if it's something that i think i could improve on i i, I do because you don't want to totally ignore it mm -hmm. um you, you don't want to totally ignore any criticism and i think that's what like pure flicks has done too i think a lot of people have kind of listened to stuff that they can improve on mm -hmm. and put it in their next movie because they certainly have like they, they've certainly done that um but I, I probably will make a third movie at some point <laughs> but it'll just be me directing it so it'll be super freaking cheap <laughs> i guess i mean you could technically right now make a, a feature-length film with a with a cell phone and a couple people and a few outside locations it's not that hard but you yeah. know do, do you want to put that time into it <laughs> um yeah uh it would there's other things i want to do before i would do something like that um i do want to get back to directing something again mm -hmm. uh but i i was supposed to like a year or two ago but <laughs> i don't want it to look like the liam neeson movie i just want to go see where you can tell no one's in the same room with each other <laughs> Just that one shot back and forth, like a George Lucas movie. Just one person talking, other person talking. Yeah, there's a lot of VOD movies that I see that do that. But they are movies where I am kind of thinking, I bet it would kind of look like this anyway. <laughs> like I watched what, it, uh, Exorcist Vengeance or something. It's a bronzy movie with that mm. Charles Bronson lookalike, where it's like, what if Charles Bronson was the priest in The Exorcist? And he's got a scene with Steven Burkoff and it's shot like that. But I, part of me is like, I wonder if it would have been shot like that anyway. <laughs> uh, those bronzy movies uh, kind of were, uh, they started a few years ago. My friend, Chris Hahn is, uh, was in yeah. one of them. And it, mm. I mean, they're, they're made cheap and they're made to exploit a very specific actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie. The guy can't, the guy doesn't speak very good English, but he just looks like Bronson. So just put him in there. Just don't give him any lines. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like this one, he, I, I've seen two. One that I saw him in, uh, he was dubbed by someone doing a bad Bronson impression. This yep. one, he wasn't dubbed. So that was, that made it less distracting. Um, but it is stuff like, <laughs> Like, okay, so the possessed girl starts floating above the bed, so he just takes out a gun and starts shooting at her. <laughs> and then the dad's like, why'd you bring a gun? I want you to be here with a Bible and nothing else. They're more fun to describe than they are to watch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, I need to ask Boy if he's watched that one, because he's seen more of them than I have. But this one, it seemed to kind of go along with some of the other ones he was telling me about. <laughs> I, I could see that becoming just a a thing in the future because we're already seeing people taking dead celebrities and using deep fakes to for advertisements yeah. and everything. I can almost see someone making an entire Rodney Dangerfield movie with a deep fake 
and just <laughs> shitting it out there and not even giving it a second thought. Just dead celebrity they, exploitation. So aren't they, okay, I heard that they were doing this, but I don't know if they still are. Weren't they doing that with James Dean? Like some war movie, and it's not even a comedy, it's like a drama. And they have like a fake James Dean in it. And I think like the family signed off on it or something. Uh, if it's a I cameo, I could see that, but an entire movie based on that, I I don't think he's the lead. Yeah. Um, but it I it read like it was more than a cameo. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think he was like the lead character. And yeah, it's like a hard drama or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, this might be really distracting. Um, it's just it's distracting when I see like the de-aged thing mm -hmm. um that happened last weekend with, with death on the nile where it was a de-aged uh, kenneth branagh at the beginning of it and it's always the mouth like yeah. if you look at a freeze frame of it, it you'd probably think it looks fine like mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't even think anything of it like oh that's just a picture of young kenneth branagh but it's the mouth it's weird like it doesn't there's something unnatural about it and yeah. i'm always like just get a younger actor who looks like him <laughs> I, I think that's got to be uh distracting or not distracting but that's got to be disheartening for a lot of actors that see that they would rather not take a chance on a new actor and they'd rather just have a stand-in and then just digitally recreate the face just so they could have that oh we've got such and such in this movie you know how many actors yeah, are out there had... right now that don't have any work that could have easily filled that role that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's totally true. And when when we saw it before, it was always something really small, like, uh, I, you know, like, what was it, like 15, 20 years ago, where there was like a beer commercial and they had John Wayne and mm -hmm. uh, Sky Captain that had the hologram, Laurence Olivier. Mm -hmm. Before, it was always just, you know, just kind of some minor thing like that, that, that like kind of worked in context. Um, now it's I, I I honestly hope they are still doing that James Dean thing because I'm curious I want to see how distracting this is <laughs> I, I can see them I can see a police academy reboot and using a de-aged Gutenberg to yes. have that connection mm. and I I don't know if I'd actually like that or not I if he was just there for a couple shots and mm. maybe have uh, Leslie Easterbrook in it for a couple shots too but yeah they'd have to use a stand-in for Callahan's body but I could I can kind of get on board with it if the rest of the movie was a solid comedy but just using that to pull people in I, I've started to really hate that I hate it in Star Wars I hate it yeah whenever I whenever I see it now I just feel it's cheap and I feel it cheats other people out of work and also I even when it looks really good mm -hmm. uh it still takes me out of the movie like because I'm still kind of looking for flaws like I'm still kind of looking to see if all right is this going to look weird is that going to look weird like it, it as as good as I've seen it and I have seen it done really well it still takes me out of it like mm -hmm. I, I don't know but I mean I get maybe that's a personal thing with me because I know some other people probably don't have a problem with it but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of on the side of like, just get a younger actor, like someone who, <laughs> someone who you can find someone who looks like the person. 
<laughs> it's way less distracting. Like I'll give it, I'll give it that about as bad as that second Venom movie was. When it was the younger Woody Harrelson, it mm-hmm. was a younger actor. Granted, they still messed it up by having Woody Harrelson dub the guy's voice. <laughs> so it was still hilarious for different reasons. But I'm like, at least, they got he, had a be- actor. Huh? At least he had a better wig in the second movie okay, they did at the yeah. end of. He did. That fucking mop. <laughs> well, the second movie was still really bad. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, it would have been funnier if he did have that stupid wig from the first one. <laughs> if you're going to be silly, just go all out. Yeah, just go for it. <laughs> uh, so. Right now, where can people go to see your work? Besides YouTube, I, there's got to be other other places people can go to see what you're working on. Yeah, uh, my site, uh, thecinemasnob.com, it's got all the stuff on there that's not on you. It's, it's got all the stuff from YouTube on there, but a bunch of stuff that's not, that uh, can't, that, that won't pass through like copyright and things like that, like that were edited several years ago. Um, you can find that at thecinemasnob.com. You can find videos of mine over at channelawesome.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Cinema Snob. Um, but if you want to keep up to date on stuff, uh, yeah, subscribe to our channel. Our YouTube channel is Stoned Gremlin Productions, and that's where all the new episodes are. And it's, subscribe click the notification bell get the alerts and all that fun stuff that everyone says at the end of every video (laughs) subscribe to our channel today i even did that when i talked about having covid like i did a video i'm like i gotta do this so i can call it brad tries covid and i'm sitting there talking about having covid and at the end i'm like and make sure you subscribe today You've been listening to the Sixth Sense Media Podcast. You can find more of our celebrity, composer, musician, and filmmaker interviews, as well as pop culture roundtable discussions on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Pandora. Be sure to check out our vast library of entertainment industry coverage including on-set reporting from your favorite TV series and movies at SixthSense.com.